0: If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Steve Lord, Cincinnati, Ohio, head groundskeeper for the Cincinnati Reds, career path, turf management, grass for the World Series, grounds crew cheering section, ag science and baseball. We talk it all right now. Is it For you, is it for the love of the game or the love of the field?
1: It's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I, I tell folks all the time, if you, if you work in baseball and you don't love football, baseball then there's there's no way you can work in baseball in i mean it's place. one of those you gotta, you gotta yeah you gotta you gotta have it somewhat in your blood or or have an enjoyment for it to, to stick here for the uh just the grueling season you know it's it's different than football it's different than you know a lot of the other field sports where you might be playing once or twice a week max um uh, you know when you get into that grind of the season it's it's uh, start to finish it's a long season so Um, You got to love what you can do, what you do, and you got to love the hours that it goes and do when you're at the stadium. You know, it's a lot of 12 to 15 hour days. And where did it start for you? Uh, I played baseball growing up. You know, I played baseball. I played golf. Uh, I grew up in northern Michigan. And it was one of those things that when I got to got time to go to college, um, I knew I wanted to go to Michigan State. And I started looking around at different things they had to offer. And one of the things I ran into was turf management. Um, you know, I like playing golf, so the idea of getting free golf was was an idea of its own. So, you <laughs> know, you, you find a job, yeah, you find a job at the first place you can work, and they offer free golf along with you know six bucks an hour or whatever. And That's a fortune. You take the good with the bad. It's so, the good with the good in those days, man. That was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> so did that for a couple of years while I was in school, and uh, you know, had a chance to go. My junior year with Michigan State, I had to do a an internship somewhere, and I thought, you know, I've never seen baseball, but I love baseball, so took a flyer on a chance and a job in uh, Round Rock, Texas, with the AAA team for the Astros. At that point, point. Um, and you know, went on as an intern that year. Spent the year with it, loved it, and from there it was kind of the rest is history. Started jumping into the into that side of the industry, and have loved it ever since.
0: Looks like you've been in baseball pretty much from there on, correct?
1: Yeah. So last really last fifteen years now. And how did you wind up uh, in Cincinnati? So, uh, you know, when I was at Michigan State, as my junior year would have been 05, uh, my boss with the Express, actually in 06, became the head groundskeeper of the Texas Rangers in Arlington. Okay. So I kind of jumped on with them as an intern in 07 and 08, and then I took over as the first assistant in 09. Um, And from there, spent six seasons, seven seasons as the first assistant with the Rangers, Um, you know, like I said, I'm from Northern Michigan originally. So when when the Cincinnati job opened up, it was a definitely a chance to get my family closer to home and kind of jumped at it. And, uh, you know, came to Cincinnati knowing only limited about the city, but love, I mean, love it here. It's great small market team. It's an awesome fan base. Uh, it's one of the you know, one of the great organizations in, in major league baseball for sure. And
0: you work at a place called the Great American Ballpark. Come on. That's right. At a great stadium right there on the river. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely. So take me back to your Michigan State days. Your studies there were in turf management, is that right? So
1: I have, a, I have a degree in crop and soil science, which has an option for turf management on it. So I've got a bachelor's in that. And then I stayed an extra two years and pursued a degree in general management as well from the school's business college. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I'm a dual major. I've got got both degrees. Uh, I figure it was one of those things where you know, you get out of school and you're thinking, man, I've, it's two more years to get a, a degree in general management, which could probably get me something anywhere. Uh, just in case this baseball thing doesn't seem to pan out. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Now you sound um, like somebody's dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds like someone's dad might have been talking to me, but it was one of those where I looked at it and I said, you know, there's only 30 teams, and if I want to do it, I want to do it right. So, you know, whether that made me more, uh, you know, a competitor for a lot of folks when, when looking at the Cincinnati job, I don't know, but um, it was definitely worth it.
0: Do you know the other groundskeepers in the, on the other 29 teams?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, we have meetings every year, so there's a number of us that are, that are in them every year, uh, typically in January, right around the – our national conference for sports turf managers association as well.
0: Okay. So you guys, uh, you guys keep up with each other and what your field's doing and what their field's doing and those kind of things.
1: Yeah, we do a lot from, uh, we do a lot of conference calls, you know, now with zoom, it's pretty easy to get everybody on stuff sure. on a regular basis. Um, so we've got probably 15 or 18 of us on a call uh, at least monthly now uh, at some points during this obviously during this COVID crisis and ramping up to us hosting spring training at our own facilities uh, we had quite a few more calls to kind of get everybody in touch, but for the most part, a lot—it's a—it's a pretty tight-knit group. Everybody tries to find a way to get in touch with each other, whether it's texting, calling, anything online. Obviously, social media is pretty, pretty great at connecting a lot of us nowadays.
0: More of Open Field Radio after this. Clean grass seed starts with Eptam 7E from Gowan, USA. Eptam 7E is now registered for use in grass grown for seed to control troublesome grasses and broadleaf weeds. University trials have proven Eptam 7E provides excellent control of Poa annua when used in late September on established grass seed fields. Contact your local distributor to learn more about Eptam 7E. Always read and follow label directions. From Gowan Company. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Steve Lord. Now, maintaining a major league baseball field for an entire season, that's not a small feat.
1: For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's on TV in my case, you know, 80 plus times a year. Plus, we do run a lot of special events that our community sees a lot of. So, it's... a. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, it's it's a grind. It's a it's a pretty grueling season for a, for a good six to eight to some of the buildings, ten or twelve months a year.
0: When's it start for you?
1: Uh, I always tell folks that we start the we start prep for the current season the year prior. So once the season ends and whether we're in the playoffs or not in October, uh, we're you know we're seeding the place. We're getting the dirt work prepped up uh, before we go into winter time, so that we're all set and ready to go. Uh, come you know March twenty sixth the following year, March twenty eighth mm-hmm. whenever they determine the season. Uh, the Reds always open up at home you know I think for years we were the first first team to host a game each season so uh, we always open on opening day at home so it's one of those things you can pencil it on the calendar um, our club's really great about not doing a lot of special events prior to opening day they like to maintain the you know the kind of the historic piece for our franchise. So in in our heads, we're at least the first first event that's on the field here at Great American every year. Every year,
0: that's a great thing. And that grass has got to look beautiful, right? That's
1: right. Yeah. What's what's the requirement,
0: or is there a major league requirement for the field, the length, the condition, all those kind of things?
1: Um, the grass itself, there's not. So it's you know it's very it's very locational specific, very geographic. You know, in the south in the southern U.S., there's a lot of teams who grow uh, seashore paspalum, or they might be growing Bermuda grass. Um, you know, a couple of teams have moved indoors now with the uh, the artificial turf idea of it. Um, typically, most fields in the north are some sort of a Kentucky bluegrass base, which we are here at Great American. Uh, we got a brand new field this year, so we were all excited to get get it out there, get folks on it, get it played on, see how it reacts. Um, but there's no formal requirement from the league. Uh, it's very building specific. Uh, the only regulations we get from the league really are are obviously our our lining of the field, our batter's boxes, home plates, that kind of stuff that we're sure. dimensionally we have to fit into by the rule book. So
0: And is maintaining the infield any different than maintaining the outfield?
1: Uh, we we do handle things a little a little bit differently. I wouldn't say necessarily across the entire infield versus the outfield, but um, you know, we mow the infield a little bit shorter, we mow the sidelines a little bit shorter. Um, you know the biggest differences you see in those areas is baseball is very specific in where its traffic happens on the field. Sure, you know your shortstop, your second baseman, they always right. play in the grass behind those areas. Right. Uh, you know your pitcher always comes off the mound to catch the ball when it's thrown back from the catcher and that kind of thing. So the places that get worn out in baseball are really getting worn out because of overuse from the same you know the same areas over and over and over again. Just a lot of repetitive foot traffic on it versus, you know, in golf where they can move the pin around the green or correct cricket where you can move over the wickets or that kind of thing. It's a lot of very site specific stuff. And uh, so for the most part that dictates, you know, if we're going to have to seed those areas a little more, if we're going to aerate them a little more, if we're going to, Fertilize them a little different. Anything like that. It's very, very dictated by the traffic of our, of our end users. And you
0: maximize that time when the team is traveling to uh, really focus on the field and, and maintaining those areas more.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we do all of our cultural practices when the team's on the road. So mm-hmm. we aerify, we, we verticut, we we slit seed, we resod areas. A lot of that stuff happens to the grass when the team's on the road. It's not something you typically do when they're in town. Uh, we always joke with with folks that you know, when the team's in town, you're you're working ninety percent of what you do is on the dirt. So it's making sure the mounds are exactly how the pitchers want it, making sure the infield's playing exactly what your fielders want. You know, the batter's box has a consistency and a good feel for our hitters. Um, and then when they're on the road, you know, we're on the flip side. We're doing less dirt work and more grass work. Um, so it's that kind of yin and yang you get in baseball that, um, that keeps, you know, keeps it, you know, we always joke that one, it's Groundhog Day every day, but in reality <laughs> of it, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're in town, you're out of town. Um, And then obviously when the team's on the road around our cultural practices, we best try to try to schedule our, you know, our standalone concerts. We try to schedule our corporate batting practices, corporate games, all that kind of stuff Um, in order to help, you know, help keep our core competency of base baseball with our team as the, the first priority. Open field
0: radio. Obviously, Major League Baseball tells you what the specifics are for the rules of the game and what the field's got to be. Do the players ever dictate any of that, or do you ever hear any of that?
1: Right, yeah. No, I always, I always look at it as if we're not using their constructive criticism and we're not giving their feedback, you know, taking that into account when we set the field up, you know, I'm not really doing my job as a groundskeeper. You know, the, I think Roger Bossert that runs the White Sox, his, his line has always been a good groundskeeper is worth 10 wins a season. That's you awesome. know, so if I've got, wow, yeah, if I've, if I've got a pitcher who says, Hey, you know, I want less, less surface on the mound, or I want the clay a little wetter, or I want it a little drier, you know, we're going to, we're going to dictate that we can't change the slope of the mound, but we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure all those things are taken into account when we're watering things or when we're setting it up for each player um you know because it's pretty routine you'll get a shortstop who likes his area drier than maybe the third baseman who wants a little bit of a swamp there well i
0: read a thing that said the idea of trying to keep the field fair both offensively and defensively And i never thought of it that way that it's got to be fast enough for the offense when they hit that ball that sucker's gonna go and at the same time on the defensive side they want to be able to obviously navigate that ball as it's coming at them i never stopped to think of it that way
1: yeah definitely i mean we've had i've had shoot when i was with the rangers and I think when we went to the World Series in 10 and 11, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had a really young pitching staff. And that season, both those seasons, we ran with an infield that was like almost two or two and a half inches tall. And the idea of it being, you know, you could slow the ball roll through there. And our infielders hated it, you know, obviously because they had to play up more <laughs> than they would like. But sure. it helped our pitching staff out, you know, a big ground ball staff to make sure that if ground balls got down, they don't get through. Right. You know, it gives your guys a, a chance to always get on them. Whereas, you know, in some other years, we had run Bermuda grass there that, you might've maintained it a half an inch and it plays like an ice skating rink. You know, you could, you could hit a ball through there as fast as you want. So,
0: well, tell me, what's that like being with a team? Here comes the world series. You guys have got to be just in go mode the whole time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it becomes to get all the way to the end and add the extra 30 days onto the season. It's a long, it's a long mode for us, but it's, it's very rewarding. I mean, you to to be part of an experience like that and to get the opportunity to do it two years in a row is, is, you know, definitely one of the highlights of my career. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, in both in both cases, we would we wish we'd have had a little different result in it. Right. But uh, from our standpoint, we always joked that from the ground side of it, you've got more media, you've got more people around. But really, your day to day on it's no different. You know, you're still running a normal game day. You're still uh, running workouts the day before the the team starts in town on those days. Uh, really, the rest of the building is where you see the big stretch or the big strain come because you know the MLB dictates how many seats they need for mm-hmm. you know everybody and how the rights holders view what's going on in the game and all the pregame activations and stuff going on outside the building and the big party that goes on outside of it and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff doesn't touch the field. So it doesn't really affect us, but, um, but wow. it, you know, really everybody else in the building, I feel like probably gets a little more stressed than the ground screw themselves.
0: Sure. Is there a difference between growing grass in Texas and growing grass in Cincinnati?
1: Uh, there is, I mean, they all have their challenges, you know, in, in Texas, we were, we were Bermuda grass. It was overseeded with rye grass uh, we always push, you know, you're pushing a transition somewhere between April and the middle of June. Um, so it was, I would always say the field played a little rougher there from the month of May through the middle of June, but it got better as the summer went on.
0: Oh, I see. Uh, sure. Here
1: with the cool season grass, the Kentucky bluegrass in Cincinnati, we're great through the spring, we're great into the summer. It does struggle a little bit more when you get in July and August, you know, battling through the heat of the summer, it doesn't do as well. Um, but then you come back to September and it starts kind of working back the other way. You know, like right now we're getting a pretty cool rainy week here and it's really helping the place to rebound and kind of get back on track from, from where we were probably 30 days ago. So, uh, they both have their challenges. They both have their obstacles at just different points of the year.
0: And do you replace the field every year or do you keep it a couple of seasons or multiple seasons? How does that work for you?
1: Um, on our end, we're a County building that's owned by Hamilton County. I work as a Reds employee and my staff works all for the Reds um the county views our field as an asset so it's on it's on a replacement plan we get a new field about every six or seven years here
0: oh okay all Uh, right
1: so it you know there's there's a lot of onus on us to make sure that the lifespan of the field can make make six or seven years but you know it's probably i would say we're probably 50 50 in the league between folks that are on on a replacement plan like ours are and folks that get a new field every year around their special events we're probably a half, half and half now.
0: And uh, what an undertaking to replace that thing every year!
1: Absolutely, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I everyone who always says, "Man, it's great to get a, a new field." Oh, god! It's like you know, this is my new, my first new surface here. Um, there's a number of things that you think are just, oh, this will be, this will be fine. This will be fine that you start having to work your way around. And then that's an, that's a challenge to have to do it every year, for sure. Every year. And I
0: would think in your situation, if you've got five, six years, six seasons out of that, uh, out of that field, there's some ownership to it in the sense that you truly know it. It's not going
1: anywhere. For sure. Yeah. You start to, you start to understand your areas a little better. You see some, some consistency build throughout, through the year. And there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely those one-offs that you run into with a, the new playing surface that you got to make sure you check all your boxes on to, to make sure it plays well for that season.
0: Well, and you know where the problems, the problem areas are going to be or any of those yep. kind of reoccurring things that you can go, hey, I need to keep an eye on that there. So that that's right. great. That's very, very cool. Open field radio. When edge starts popping up in your lawn or landscaping, don't just spray it. Pound it into submission with Sedgehammer or Sedgehammer plus herbicide. Unlike other herbicides, Sedgehammer gobbles up edge by moving through the plant to attack the underground growing points. Plus, Sedgehammer wipes out Nuts Edge without roughing up your turf. So ask your lawn and garden supplier for the safe and simple way to knock out Nuts Edge. Sedgehammer and Sedgehammer Plus Herbicides. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Now back to Open Field Radio, brought to you by Gowan Company. Are there any teams that are harder on fields than others that you see come through? Somebody go, man, here come those guys. You know,
1: it's, it's, really, it's really specific from year to year. You know, a lot of rosters change, change a lot from year to year. Um, you know, we're playing a lot of teams in the American League Central that we haven't traditionally played this well, that's year. that's true. That we're playing, right. you know, both the Americans and National League Central. Um, so, like, I, I think, I thought the Tigers did a pretty good number on us <laughs> as far as their pitcher warm-ups went. And, you know, I talked to the kid in Pittsburgh the other day. I talked to Matt Brown over in Pittsburgh, and Matt goes, man, the Tigers came through here, and they did a number on us. And I said, man, us too. But, you know, oh, wow. a lot of it comes down to timing. It comes down to how your field's playing when that team comes in. Sure. Um, you know, it can be really individualized. We used to, we always used to joke when San Fran would come in that, mm-hmm. uh, Madison Baumgartner, when he throws a flat ground session, man, he works your grass over, he'll tear it right out. Really? Um, but you know, so this year, if I was looking at the calendar, I'm like, Oh man, San Fran would have been coming in, but Oh, bomb on the, the, Diamondbacks. <laughs> on the now, diamond back. You know, you get some of those one-off guys switch off on teams and they get traded across and. Uh, it's really it really depends on the year, and you know it, it depends on your team. It depends on the guys you have on your field doing it do, that are you know there for eighty one games of the year. Sure, um, you know because your home side, your guys are gonna have their tendencies too, and that's that's just something you learn to work around. Exactly.
0: Speaking of the Diamondbacks, I think was it last season they switched to artificial turf. Is that a thing now? I mean, is that a is that they did?
1: Yeah, they they switched this past season to a new uh, a newer form of what's called, I think it's a Shawgrass product that is an infill system, much kind of like the football systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So Grant uh, Beth over there, he was the first one to run it in a major league stadium. And then the Rangers in their new stadium have actually added it as well. Um, So I don't, I mean, I don't doubt there's some stadiums that'll look at it uh, moving forward, from what everyone says, it's going to be a better product than the old artificial everyone sees from the 1970s and, uh, and 80s. But uh, I can't speak to it personally. I think uh, I think there are a number of buildings that are looking at as long as concerts can get back online and that whole industry mm-hmm. comes back online. Somewhere down the road, they're looking at the potential for being able to run those. You know, when anytime the team's on the road and make an extra revenue and oh sure, um, you, know, you know it's it's a different animal than it was you know 20 years ago. There's a lot more. Uh, special event revenue that that drives our team just as much as, as some of the baseball revenue, you know? So sure, um, it's, sure. it's that trade-off you got to work through. How big's your crew? Uh, I have myself and two full-time assistants year round. Um, and then from the middle of March until about the end of October, I typically have anywhere between five and seven seasonal interns. And I'll, I'll typically have another uh, approximately 30 folks that I pull off of for my game staff. So, Okay. Uh, on a typical night we'll work about twelve to fifteen of those thirty folks for each game. Okay. So most most nights from five PM PM on, we run somewhere between eighteen and twenty one folks. Your crew is quite popular online. I
0: saw them the other day as quite the cheerleading bunch. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've uh we've kind of taken on a taken on a cheering section for our guys this year. Um, you know, it's really been it's really been pushed, I think, as well by our players. You know, they've told us stopped and told us and the, the coaches have stopped and told us that they really appreciate just the guys sitting in the crowd cheering for the game. You know, we're piping in crowd noise and all that kind of stuff over sure. the top. But I mean, there's nothing there's nothing as, as good as when you get actual folks in the stands heckling the other team and oh sure. Uh, cheering when something happens. You know, Joey Vado's been one of our big advocates. He bought us uh bought my staff a bunch of percussion instruments. So they've been playing uh <laughs> cowbells and, you know, tambourines and that kind of fun stuff to liven it up a little bit, but super cool um, yeah it's, it's one of those ways that we can kind of help the team out when we're going to be there working anyways you know, there's not a whole lot of other folks in our building uh, for any games you know there's some media in there and there's you know a very small group of folks from ownership but you know, other than it. that it's it, we're, we're kind of it you yeah. know a little bit of security and that's that's just how the world works right now so
0: without the fans there and without everything that goes into to having a baseball game has your day to day changed at all
1: um, it really hasn't you know we, if, if anything I tell folks right now we've picked up a lot more than we've had to in the past. Um just because our, our staff is is good this year, but we've probably we probably had out of my 30 folks on game staff, we probably had twelve opt out because of you know personal personal issues that were there mm-hmm. worried about COVID. Sure. Uh we had our we had our internship program canceled this year. Was, that was just a the you know, whole organization did that as a as a whole. Um so we're thinner on staff, you know, it's it's tougher from that angle. Um just trying to make sure we're staffing all the and you know, we had 32 straight days of workouts starting at the end of June. Um, so it's, it's kind of uncharted territory for a lot of our staff who might be using, you know, they can work game nights because it's a second job, but it might not be something they can come in and work a nine to five with us for. And, and we've, we've worked around that the best we can and, um, just keep rolling along with them. You mentioned
0: internships and you're a product of the internships. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I believe strongly in internships and, and good internships at that, you know, trying to put, put guys into the position where they can. Not just be you know throwing hey Cincinnati Reds is on my resume, but mm-hmm. putting them into the position where they come in here, they're getting the chance to mow, they're getting to work on all the dirt surfaces, they're getting to do a lot of hands-on stuff because it's a very hands-on field, you know, much like a lot of the agriculture industry. If you don't get first-hand experience doing it, you get out of college with a degree. That's great, but you you don't have, you don't know how to do anything. So that's that's kind of right. our big focus here. Is, Uh, as it's a true working internship. How long does it take to mow that field? Uh, It takes our outfield mower somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour and 15 minutes based on the pattern. And it takes probably 30 minutes to mow the infield and about another 40 minutes to mow the sidelines, depending on who we typically have three (laughs) folks mowing at any time.
0: Do you ever have weed issues with a baseball field? Is that even a thing with a baseball field?
1: You know, not a ton. I'd say on our new field this year, we've had a little bit of crabgrass, um, probably more of a product of it being quite dry here this year and us focusing on our, on, on using our irrigation a little more than we'd like. Um, but overall, we're, we're, we're typically light on weeds all around. You know, we always tell folks that a dense, dense stand of turf grass is your best protection against weeds. You know, we don't spread pre-emergent herbicides. We don't do... Don't do a lot of post applications. If we see something, we pull it by hand. But realistically, we you know we operate under very low weed pressure, just just with a dense have you know dense good stand of grass.
0: Sure, and the control that comes with the grass in the first place. Sure, yeah. Where's your grass come from?
1: So this field was grown locally. Uh, we actually had a a full growing scheduled and scoped with Hamilton County that, that was approved and and bid upon that we grew actually out in Brookville, Indiana, which is a town about 30 minutes from the ballpark it's in southeast indiana so they're and, fans uh, they're, oh they're big fans <laughs> yeah they've been they've been growing fields on and off for the reds to the last 25 years uh or i guess the last 20 years we've had grass in the stadium but the you know shameless plugola it's moster turf in brookville indiana
0: that's what it's here for plug away that's awesome man. yeah they're,
1: they're they're great guys gene and kevin out there and we've always had good luck with them they'll do you know about anything you'll ask them for uh, they'll they'll do to to make sure their product's perfect for you. so they I mean, we've we've had great luck with it. Uh, for me, it was a dream to be able to grow a product in and you know, I think I was going out there every two weeks last summer and at times every week to go check on it. I was
0: gonna ask if you're hands on with it through that process.
1: yeah, we you know we built out the program for it. I was out there on on site when, when it was seeded uh, we seeded it fourteen months before we harvested it so, I mean, there was a good year plus of growing time to go out there and check on it at least monthly. A lot of the times during the summer, last summer, just following it's growing. Uh, I was out there weekly or bi-weekly. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like that third child at my household. You know, you wanted to make sure it <laughs> make sure it was in good shape when it got in here, make sure it was healthy. And it was, it was you know, spending the, I, I live between the stadium and out there. So for me, it was about a 20 or 25 minute ride out there to go look at it, but it's well worth it to you know, to
0: ensure the quality you're going to get when it comes in. Sure. And the day it shows up, like probably better than Christmas day, right?
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, it was great. It was, it was one of those <laughs> things that you, you were, it was a long process. I'd say before that, I probably spent, oh man, over, almost up to three years where we were growing different cultivars of bluegrass out there and trialing um, just to make sure that the seed mix we, we specced into the scope was ready to go for it and make sure that we had uh, hedged our bets that it was going to be the best, best possible field.
0: Well, and from me to you as a fan, I think the grounds crew is probably the unsung heroes of baseball. we It all happens on the field, regardless. It all happens on the field, and whether I'm turning the game on or going to the stadium... The first thing that motivates you is the field. You look at that and go, holy cow. So hats off to you guys for all the work you do to make that thing not only playable, but obviously as a fan, super enjoyable to look at that thing and go, wow, I can't wait for this to get going. So you guys are awesome. Thank you. Um, how do you put the stripes in the field? I got to know.
1: <laughs> so the, the mowers we have are much like a golf course style mower. They've got rollers on them that push the grass one direction to the other. Um, how we line it up, who does it? I mean, it, it's dependent. There's some guys in, in baseball and, and gals that use, uh, may use a string line to put that first line out there. We're really by eye here. Um, you know, so anything that I typically mow into the infield grass or that my guys mow into the or sidelines, uh, we typically do mostly by eye. And then the outfield, it's even really rare that we pull a string line out. I've got, uh, really three great guys who mow the outfield at different points in the year that, um, you know, pretty much they've all got, we always call them dead eyes, you know, it's mm-hmm. you can mow a laser beam when they need to. And they throw <laughs> two of them in and they go from there. And, um, you know, if you, if you get it started, right, and you do it right. You'll be fine the rest of the way. So it's just a lot of, a lot of practice and, um, the mowers make the stripes. So as long as you've got a good steady hand and a good, good clear eye, you're good.
0: You're in good shape. So if you weren't doing baseball turf management, what would you be doing?
1: Oh man, I'd be doing something, something in science and agriculture. I mean, I'm just, I, I always joke with folks. I'm a turf nerd. I'm a grass nerd. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that I'll be sitting at home feeding my daughter at 10 30 at night. And I'm trying to think in my head, you know, like, Am I missing anything agronomically? Are we trying to, you know, should we be nutritionally changing anything? I'm just a guy who just, it, it's it's hard to turn off, you know. But between that and meteorology, those are both my my fun kind of pastimes. You know, my wife always jokes that, you know, if I didn't do anything in science, what, I, what would I do? And it's, you know, I love to cook. So I'd probably open a restaurant if I didn't, if I didn't do something. with <laughs> Even then I could argue you could probably do something scientifically with a restaurant. So I don't
0: know. Well, I'll tell you what, when you open the restaurant, let's get back in touch. Cause I'd like to talk to you about that as well. <laughs> You've been listening to open field radio from Gowan company, all rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission.